Welcome to the Violence End podcast. Uh, today we have a very special guest with us, Miss Vicky Tokars. All right, Miss Vicky, um, I know you very well from high school, but how about you tell everyone what you do? So I am a PhD candidate at the Hospital for Sick Children downtown at the University of Toronto, where I'm studying, trying so hard to earn my PhD, <laughs> struggling every day. Yeah. Okay. Um, and like, why are you here today? Because I have a lot to say about what I think on my journey, how mental health has intersected that journey, how it's propelled and both inhibited that journey, I think, at the same time. And I think a lot of people aren't paying attention to the small and big ways that mental health can impact your career, impacts you right now. We always think that like in the future, like if you sacrifice now, maybe you'll gain something later in the future. But I think your mental health is important right now and you're not going to get there if you don't start paying attention now. I definitely agree. Um, yeah. What have been kind of like the couple of lessons that you've learned? Again, like just catching up with you. I mean, you've gone through a lot. You've done a lot for the last time I saw you. Yeah, no kidding. So I did a Bachelor of Science at University of Toronto where I was studying neuroscience and immunology and that was grueling. Yeah. And that's obviously challenging on your mental health. You're studying all the time. You're, you're not sleeping properly. You're not eating properly or whatever. But that didn't even compare to what I went through after that when I did a Master of Science at the University of Toronto. So mm -hmm. that was even harder. And that was where I was really in the lab, like actually doing like real life scientist stuff. Like, wow, you guys trust me to be in the lab doing this right now? Like, I don't know if I'm qualified to do this, but we were actually doing real life research, like important stuff. Like we weren't just studying anymore. You're actually actively participating in, you know, when you see a news headline, like scientists discovered like X, Y, and Z, like it's never the doctor that they show. It's actually the students who did the work. So it's us. So it's us that was doing all that. So we started to do that and I was working there and that had to be the most trying and challenging two years of my entire life. What did you learn from that in terms of lessons? I think the biggest one that I learned is that you need to understand the price that you're paying for everything that you're doing. So for example, if that, if your mental health is the price of your degree, if that's the consequence, if that's what you have to pay to get your degree, to get your promotion, to get that car or whatever, if the price isn't worth it, don't buy it. Mm -hmm. Just don't buy it. And know the price that you're paying and know that your mental health is worth so much and that if that's what's required to trade for you to get that degree, then don't take it and well, find another path. Okay, so um, um, expanding on that a little more, like how would you how would you be able to tell? Like how, how do you tell somebody if they don't even know they, for example, like what mental health is, if they don't know actually how to handle it, don't even, can't even recognize it. That's a really okay. good point actually because we struggle with these things and it's, it's not until you look back retrospectively, right? That you really start to realize like, hey, I was actually really going through it and what I was going through every day and I was dealing with every day, you know, it really wasn't okay. And the reason why it's so hard to notice it when you're doing it is because you don't all of a sudden go into really poor mental health. You gradually, slowly slip and slide your way there so that the change from day Day to day isn't so large and then all of a sudden you've drifted so far from a healthy positive mental health space into this totally negative mental health before space. you know it, you're already in the hole right? and you yeah. don't even know that you're there so your question is like how, well what do you know like how do you know what to look out for exactly I would say that if you're not doing what feels good in your heart and your soul at one time every single day all week then something's wrong. Okay. Like little things like that. So if you really like to read and you find that you've stopped reading, you didn't just stop reading because you're too busy. That's a sign. Mm -hmm. If you really like to go out with your friends and like have dinner, but you find yourself saying, I can't because this, or I'm too tired, I'm too that, like too tired. Like, are you too tired? Those little tiny changes that over time, then all of a sudden, now you haven't seen anybody in three months. Mm -hmm. Now you haven't read a book and you love to read and it's been six months. Those are the changes that I think you have to look for and you have to look for them early. And those are the signs that will show you that something's amiss. So, but don't get me wrong, like as a PhD student now and as a master's student then, when you have a deadline that you need to meet and you gotta just grind it out and you gotta skip dinners and you gotta skip reading your book or whatever because you're really working on a paper or you're working on an assignment or a thesis or something, you know what, grind it out, do it, skip those dinners, grind it out until it's time to stop. And when it's time to stop, Take that break and do what you need to do to get back to yourself. Do the things that you love and make sure that you achieve that balance. You need to really know the price that you're paying and negotiate that and be like, is it worth it? So right now when you have a deadline to me, is it worth it to skip this dinner? Sure. But are you tired all the time, missing dinners all the time? Is that worth it to you? Because life is happening right now, mm -hmm. during your PhD, during your master's, during whatever degree you're working stop on. for you, that's the thing. And right? you know yeah. what? It's going to happen with or without you. Yep. And if you're always too tired or too busy or too stressed or don't feel like it, 
you're going to miss that. Right. And that's, and all of those things contribute to maintaining your mental health if you're going. And if you're not going, they, they put you deeper into the hole that you're in. Yeah, and I think that's a, um, a very, very big distinction, right? Especially because a lot of people, it's either, for some, for some reason, we all have a kind of a, um, an all or nothing mentality. And right. un un unfortunately, we jump into this thing as like, oh yeah, I'm going to give this up or I'm going to give this up or right. I'm going to give up the gym or I'm going to give up my health or, you know, my diet, whatever it is, right? But then unfortunately, we don't realize when to, I guess, take our foot off the pedal. Because you're just speeding off the entire time before you know you're out of gas. Absolutely. Because we're trained that way. We're in this society where you got to be 150% all the time. And if you didn't work for it, you like you don't deserve it or you didn't earn it. And like if you're not working 150%, then like do you really want this? And it's like, you know what? You can work 150% mm -hmm. until it's time to stop. Exactly. And then you can't literally can't anymore, right? Yes. Yeah. And so like what I try to do is when I'm at the lab, when I'm, when I'm on my science grind, I'm going 150%. Mm -hmm. But when it's time to stop, that's it. It's 0% lab grind. And equally so, it's 150% grind on me, on my time at the gym, right. at wherever I'm at, whatever I'm doing with my friends. So you make this separation that way, like all your eggs aren't in one basket. And that's dangerous because that's how I felt so far in this hole that I'm describing. Like I, I was there. I found myself exactly there. And when all your eggs are in that one basket and things start to go left with that basket, no. now you have nothing. Because you haven't been reading books, you haven't been taking care of yourself, you, you, you haven't seen those friends in a while, you don't have a support system the way that you thought you did before. It's not, it, of course they're still there for you, but you don't have that same fulfillment that you were having before and all you're left with is emptiness. Right, because that's all you've been putting, I guess, work towards, right? If exactly, anything. and it's not worth it. Like, yeah, I'm a scientist and I identify heavily as a scientist. I love science, I really care about research, I'm passionate about the research that I do. But I'm also so many other things. I'm also Vicky. I'm also at the gym. I'm also, I love to read. I'm a readaholic. Like I love to read books and about everything. And none of the books I read are even about science because I'm so done with science by the time I pick up a book. <laughs> yeah, I don't I agree, I don't, no, so, um, so there's one, I used to work at um, an ice cream store. And so when I used to work at the ice cream store, my God, like they would offer you free ice cream like at the end of your shift, right? right? But by the time you, you're done, you don't want ice cream. No kidding. And you don't want it. You don't want anything to do with that. Because you're right? over it. You're, you're over just it. Done. You spend that much time in it. You're not gonna want to do it. That's and, how I feel. And I, I think that's a, a very good point that you bring up because, especially people that spend so much time doing one thing, they think that's all they should be doing. Absolutely. And then they hurt themselves because they like, no, I shouldn't be reading about this because I should be you know further developing myself in my one you know, exactly. fashion or whatever it is, but that is literally putting all of your eggs in one basket. Absolutely. Right? And I think that it's really tough because when you're carving out that time to be like, okay, you know, I've done my science grind for the day. Let's say it's six o'clock. It's time to go home. I'm not going to science grind anymore. I'm going to go home. I'm going to like kick it and watch like trashy reality TV. I'm going to like eat dinner and just like browse my phone or on social media and boom, somebody from your lab is still at the lab and it's 10 PM and now you feel guilty because, because you're not there. Yeah. Exactly. And they're there on their Instagram story. Like, Oh my God, hashtag late night at the lab. And now you feel guilty because you're not doing that. And that brings me to another point that I want to make is that it's a culture thing too, at d different jobs, at different schools, at all kinds of places. And especially I can speak in the lab is that the concept is that, to be a good scientist, you have to be working all the time. Like you have to just be fervently like in love with science and like your whole life is about science and you know, you don't even look at a bottle of water without thinking about the molecular structure and the hydrogen oh, of the water, right? Like <laughs> this is how people look at science. It's like, you know what? I'm a science all day. And then when I go home, like I don't even, I don't even want to think about that at all. I don't even want to know what the periodic table is yeah. once I go home. I don't want to look at that. And then you get this guilt feeling later when you see somebody else that's working harder than you and it's part of the culture. And now you're the odd one out because you're not there because right. everybody else is and you're not. So you start feeling like, am I working hard enough? Am I doing enough? So what do you do? You slip and you slide. You start working later. Mm -hmm. You start working on the weekend. And that's what I started doing in my master's. I developed what I now look back at is just terrible, terrible self-care habits because I sacrificed everything for the science. And I can sit here today and tell you a year out. So after leaving my master's and being a year away from that, I can tell you that it absolutely 100% was not worth it. When I got that degree and I walked across the stage at U of T for the second time and received my master of science and I held that paper in my hand, the moment was so salient to me that the price that I paid for this paper was not worth it. And if I knew what it had costed at the beginning, I would not have bought it. Really? I would oh. not have. And I can 
as much as I love science, I can confidently sit here and say that I would not have bought it if I knew what it was going to cost. Okay. Well, um, well, I, I guess to bring up that point then, um, regardless of what it costs then, are you glad that you still went through it to be able to learn what you did to go through it? Uh, it's a hard question. Like, so the answer that people say is like, yeah, I'm so glad that I went through that because like, I'm so I'm a better person now, but you know what? Straight up, I didn't need to go through all that. Mm -hmm. I didn't need to do all that. That doesn't need to be part of the culture. It's not some rite of passage mm -hmm. that everybody has to go through this horrible mental health time and become a stronger person at the end. Like, why do we have to get dragged through the mirror? Why can't we just have good mental health and good practices and healthy workplaces? Just period. Mm -hmm. Why can't that just be the norm? Why, why was, why am I now? Now that I practice healthy work habits and I don't work on the weekend and I don't work in the evenings, why am I now the odd one out? Why wasn't I the odd one out then when I was doing that crazy stuff? Of course. So I'd honestly say like, no, I still don't think it's worth it. And I <laughs> honestly, if I could go back and I could tell Vicky back then, right out of undergrad, about to go into that master's, like, hey, look, look at the future. Like, this is what's going to, like, you know, one of those movies where yeah. you get to look into your future. Christmas past. <laughs> yeah, one of those, right? Like, this is what's going to happen to you. I'd be like, hell no, don't do it. Yeah. What the hell? Run. GTFO. Like, go somewhere else. Like, go do something else. You're, honey, you are not cut out for this. You don't need to do this to yourself. Don't do it. Because, like, I was doing crazy. So I've alluded to it, but I haven't directly said anything about what I was doing. Like, I was getting up at 7 o'clock in the morning. And I was going all day at the lab until, like, honestly, some days, 1 a.m. I was coming home at, like, 2 a.m. That's insane. And then I wasn't even eating during the day because I just didn't have time for lunch because it was like experiment, 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 meeting, 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 experiment, meeting, experiment, meeting, seminar, this, that, da, da, da. All of a sudden it was 2 a.m. I was at home, was in my bed, I'd like Uber Eats, McDonald's, like munch at McDonald's, like go to, like in my bed, go to bed, wake up, go to work all day. McDonald's sponsor us. Sponsor us. I know, right? <laughs> but maybe not now. Maybe, maybe not right now, though. But send us a salad. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So I and Uber too. Uber can sponsor Ooh, us. Too. Uber. I'm okay with Uber actually. I'm, I'm yeah. okay with Uber. Never mind McDonald's. You McDonald's. Get out of here. So I literally eat McDonald's like in my bed, and like it'd be the first meal I ate all day, and like let's say it's two o'clock tomorrow, I just ate this meal. The next day I get up and do the same thing. I get up at seven. I go all day without eating. I come home and order dinner. I'm like, whoa! I just went 24 hours without eating. Mm -hmm without even realizing it because I was just working so hard and I didn't even realize. And you know what? The scariest part is that everybody around me was doing the same, same thing. damn thing. Everybody was working that hard. And over time it erodes you. It, like I wasn't as vibrant as I am all the time. Like everybody who remembers me and talks to me is like, Vicky has so much energy and she's so outgoing. Like, and I wasn't like that anymore. I was just exhausted all the time. I was just tired. I just didn't want to be there. And I, I stopped loving the science the way that I love the science. And I just, I totally dragged myself through the ringer because that was the expectation. I had a boss that was emailing me on new year's day. Hey, I heard you have data for me. Excuse me. It's a holiday. Mm -hmm. And what did I do? I replied I sent the data. It's a holiday. Like, what was he doing? We were in the lab on like day before Christmas Eve. University was closed already for three days and we were in the lab. Why were we there? Why were we doing that? Why weren't we taking the breaks that we were entitled to? Mm -hmm. And I look back and I, and I just feel so sad because I missed out on so much. All of these Christmas get togethers with your friends and like secret Santa and all that stuff. And, and I wasn't doing any of that because why well, I was in the lab, I was in the lab, I'm in the lab. And it was like, oh, Vicky's always in the lab. We're not even going to invite Vic because Vic's always in the lab and she's going to say no. And they didn't even bother kind of anymore, Yeah, right? so you yeah. start to lose the, these connections with people because you're, you're just so dedicated to what you're doing in the lab. And then before you know it, like you look back and you just realize like one moment I remember being in the lab and I just remember thinking like, I'm not the same person that I was when I started this. Like, how did this happen? And like, when did this happen? And I realized that. And then what did I do? I ignored it. And I went back to my experiments. And I like still kept doing what I was doing. As soon, as soon as you start to realize you're slipping <laughs> or you're slightly in the hole, you're like, I don't want to think about it. And you just keep digging, right? Exactly. So that's what I did. And then, so then I ended up finishing up that master's and that was a really toxic lab environment. And the, the supervisor would like, was not supportive. So for people who don't work in science, when you run a lab, it's run by either someone who's achieved a PhD, so they're doctor so-and-so, or someone who has an MD, so they're doctor so-and-so, that's a medical doctor, that's someone who treats people as patients, or they have both, they're like doctor so-and-so, they've got the PhD doctorate because they did a lot of research, and they're also a medical doctor. So the person I was working for was both an MD, PhD, so he was treating patients in the clinic, and he was also running his lab, 
and he's a workaholic and he worked us as a workaholic and it was just really crazy and my supervisor so he's my supervisor he was not supportive of us at all and he worked crazy hours he expect us to work crazy hours it was just the expectations were ridiculous and to meet them you you had to sacrifice and that's what we were doing i got away from that i finished the masters i graduated i told you already i got the degree and then i started my phd with a supervisor who's much more supportive actually she was my co-supervisor during that time so she was part of my training but she was more separate like she was kind of on the outside she would supervise a little bit but really i was under his direct influence so i ended up starting my phd with her and i had much I had not, I want to say much healthier, but I had a little bit healthier work habits. So I wasn't doing like the 1 a.m. thing anymore, but I was still there till like 10 p.m. It's better than one. It's, it's better, better than, than one. one. It's better than but one. like I was still working. And then I want to say like what happened to me. So like my mental health was like, I was always anxious all the time. Like that's one thing that I really struggled with is like, like I said, my old boss would email us on like New Year's Day, like of emails. Like I actually have a, like a fear, almost a fear response to my email. Because to even open it up, you mean? Or yeah, just like, to yeah. even like to see the notification, like yeah. that I have an email, I get really nervous because it, it'd always be him, like looking for an answer, or, like, looking for a question, or like pressing you for information. Or it was a really stressful situation. So, like to this day, actually, I don't get push notifications from my email, and mm-hmm. I also don't have the badge app notification to tell me if I have an email. So I have to make the conscious choice that like. I'm in a mind state right now that I want to check my email and that has to be between nine and five when I'm at work. Right. You have to, to set time. Check it. You have to, you have to set the exactly. time. But back then yeah. I was checking my email all the time. Mm-hmm. I was doing that. So I felt really stressed out and I was struggling with a lot of anxiety. Like I'd go home and be like, did I close the incubator? Like where we keep our cells? What if I left it open? Mm-hmm. What if all my cells die? And like just irrational stuff that like I knew I definitely, it's like, did you leave the fridge open? You never left the fridge open in your life. So why would you start now? Right? So why would you do that? And I would start thinking about these things like, oh my gosh, I'm going to go in tomorrow and like, I'm going to kill everybody's cells and like my supervisor would be really mad at me. And I would start, and this stuff would like keep me up at night and like I have so much anxiety and like to check my email and have a lot of anxiety all the time. So I started, I was still struggling with that in my PhD, even though I had a more supportive supervisor and the work habits were so hard to break because I was already so deep into them. And that was just my science grind. It was Vic goes hard in the lab. Everybody always used to say like Vic goes so hard and like you should see Vic's schedule and like that's just how she works. And, and un- unfortunately, we take pride in that. We, th- we take we take so much pride in working ourselves to the bone. Exactly. Right? Well, we really don't need to. Right? No, and, and actually now I look upon it disapprovingly. Like I look back yeah. at myself I'm like you idiot. You are so damn dumb. You thought you were smart, but you wasn't. Work, work, but that it goes back to like work smart, don't work hard, right? Exactly. Like and you, work hard until it's time to stop, and exactly. then go home yeah. and don't work and go watch TV. You don't, you don't need to do anything extra. That you don't need, like it's not worth the mental health. No, right? it's not. At the end of the day, it absolutely isn't. So, and those had lasting, they had lasting effects on me as a scientist, and like I struggled a lot with personal issues with my supervisor. You know, we, we just didn't jive pers- like personality-wise. Honestly, I'm not gonna sugarcoat it. He was absolutely vile. He was a tyrant. The university does nothing to protect their graduate students. He basically had free reign over us. We had no rights as students. He could speak to us however he wanted. He was berating, he was rude, just totally vile. So as your self-confidence Sounds as like a, a scientist, super no kidding. <laughs> For real, a supervillain. I would put it just like that, actually. And he had no regard, and he had the like so much gall. I've never seen somebody just with so much balls just to do something, just because nobody told him he couldn't. Yeah. And I'd be like, how could he just do that? And then I realized, like, because the university ain't doing shit. That's why. Because he can do whatever the hell he wants. Because he knows he can get it. Because he knows yeah, he can. So, like, I struggled with my self-worth as a scientist, you know, like, is this worth it? Like, do I even belong here? Like, am I even smart enough to be here? Do I deserve to be here? You start doubting yourself a little bit. Yeah, you start doubting. So I struggled with that a lot. Like, I guess, like, some depressive feelings Mm -hmm. I was really struggling with, for sure, with anxiety, absolutely. Like, I was saying, checking my email, I was... I have fears of checking my email. Like, act like my mom would email me something on the weekend, and I'd be like, you know what? I can't even see that because I'm too scared to look in there because I don't know what's in there. Exactly. And so, so you bring up a good point. So, what is your um, what is your opinion? And again, I have my opinions on this too of social media and mental health now. I think it's horrible for mental health. Okay. Horrible, like all around. I feel like everybody posts their best of the best, like what they're so you can look at someone's social media and it'll be like all travel pictures but you know this person is like traveling like once a year but they're like they're reposting all the photos yeah so their social media <laughs> looks like they're out here like living their damn best life like hopping on private jets like going to here and turks and caicos and like yeah. this places and that places but 
really like they went on like two vacations and one cruise and took like 30 pictures and they'd be posting one pic a week for yep. all year and it looks like they're living like the best life ever they're not actually doing anything and then really like you're here and it's like i don't know a tuesday night and you just left the lab and it's like 10 p.m and you have like mouse guts on you and you just got on the ttc and like here's a buddy on another vacation you're like seriously you're like, really come on <laughs> like how where do y'all yeah, get this money exactly yeah, yeah how y'all have this kind of money because i definitely don't so you so you start feeling bad about yourself mm. and like you see people posting like people are always posting their accomplishments on social media people aren't real on social media no 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 one's gonna put up a picture of them feeling depressed today or you know that anxious today or even talk about it and it's a shame because it's a it's a wonderful platform and we have such a unique ability now in this this era that we're in of how quickly technology is developing to reach out to people to talk to people to connect with people i mean in two seconds you can send a message to somebody that lives in saudi arabia of course that's incredible like that is absolutely unheard of in, in not so long ago it's, it's actually honestly like like mind shattering just to even think about the exactly possibility and we that. we don't appreciate it because we were born and like we had computers in our homes and any shit but you talk to one generation before us they did not have computers when they were growing up if you ask one like our parents like how would you send a message to someone in saudi arabia they'd have to try to figure out how to mail a letter like who do i address it to and how does it get there how, like, how do i buy this card to call, make a phone call for this exactly. and that? Yeah, yeah. but for us we can literally just and boom and it's there and it's gone so we have this platform where we we could use it to connect with people on a real level but actually like we don't we actually use it for the flip side and it's kind of a double-edged sword, right? You could use it to communicate positively or you can use it to communicate trash. And social media is full of trash. Unfortunately, yeah. And and, and the thing is with social media, um, like you said earlier, we put up all the highlights, right? We put up we put up the things that people or we want people to see. But the thing is, we want validation from strangers. Like yeah. what's what's this, like literally like the travel, for example. Right? Yeah. If, if you're putting up travel photos, what's the point of putting up travel photos? Like who are you trying to impress? Like, yeah. who are you really trying to... But, like, I get so, like, it what's, you your, what's your target audience, right? Like, everything you put out on social media, like, what's your goal? Who's here? it for? Like, at the like, end of the day. Like, so, yeah. sometimes we just, like... And I try to practice this. And every time that I say something, every time that I do something, even just in, like, regular conversation, I'm always thinking, like, is there value in what I'm saying and what I'm doing? Because if there's not, then I'm going to just be quiet. Mm -hmm. And on social media, people will post anything. People will literally show you, like, a pile of their laundry and complain, like, oh, my God, look at my laundry. And I'm like... What was your message? Like, what was your like, target what's, there? What's, what was your, your, yeah, what was your purpose yeah. with that, right? So it's like everything that you put out into the world, if it doesn't have a purpose or a message or a meaning, you don't put it don't out put there. Don't put it out then. there, yeah. And then that's the other thing too I'm going to comment is that you know, people will argue and people listening probably think like, oh, well, I'm posting like positive quotes and stuff. It's like, honestly, all that's bullshit too. All those stupid little pretty posts with like flowers in the background and like three lines of text in the top right corner, like cute little poem or whatever. <laughs> bullshit. Don't don't hit me with that because you're gonna post that and you're gonna feel like mm, like a little glowy inside or whatever. But then like your next pick is like a selfie with your ass on the bathroom counter and oh, your don't car. Even, don't get me don't get me started on these Instagram models, right? These, so oh, it's like man. don't like come on, like don't play me. Like you think we can't see that? You post like eight pics of you in your bikini on your vacation. Now you're hitting me with this like existential like you are worth it. So what, quote. what? What about? What, I was talking to one of my trainers about this and um we, we were talking about how depression hits everyone right yeah. in a sense and we were, he was talking about how he saw this one girl on instagram and it was literally a booty pic and then but it was talking about depression like what how how does it even you're like, what like how, how really? are you like how are you doing a pose showing your ass and you're talking about depression and all this like how does it even relate right that's like, what i'm saying like there's, there's such a disconnect between the two and people honestly do things unfortunately now just for attention yeah. Right. We're, and we're looking again for all this validation, the likes, the views, right, the followers, and like especially kids of these. Those likes, those views, those followers. <laughs> let me tell you right now, they ain't shit. You ain't shit. They don't materialize into anything <laughs> beyond your fucking phone. Like after you take this phone and you run it over with your car, ask your followers to come find you. When yeah. your car breaks down on the side of the road, help you? you think your followers are gonna come Hell scoop you? No. They're not trying to come find you. They're not no. trying to come for you. Like, do you think you can make a a real connection and a real network with like three hundred thousand Instagram followers that like your booty pic? Come on, girl, bye. Yeah, like honestly, like, and I, I, that's very, very real. They're very, very real that you say that because 
a lot of these um, Instagram models, right? I say, you know, with air quotes here. Right, yeah. Right, models. Um, models put, of what? Put, literally, though. Models of what, right? They literally put up pictures, um, again, for all the likes and all the followers. Yeah. And then they try to sell you on some, like, what, detox or herbal tea or whatever. It on is, this, like, slim... flat tummy Yeah, and, uh, and, uh, and this weight training. Exactly. And I guess someone's like, did you even use that? Boy, if I see one more ad about <laughs> flat tummy tea and their progress pics that they literally took on one angle the same day and then they sucked it in a little bit and took another pic and they're like, look at my like 10 day progress. Like, girl, you're wearing the same thing. You got the same shit in the background. You, I know you just took both those pictures in the last 10 yeah. minutes. Like, don't play with yeah. me. Like, and you don't drink this. Like you said, you, y'all ain't drinking this. Y'all are drinking selling this? us bullshit. No. But do you know what? That, if another thing that I said earlier fits here, if the culture doesn't work for you, don't fucking buy it. Yeah. Like, every time you like a picture like we're guilty too like let's not play like there ain't real ass people liking those pictures of course let's not play that game because we're guilty too we're out here we're liking all those pictures we're we are as the consumer we're buying it and we're buying it all the time and clearly it's working because they're doing it and they're making bank they are making bank on it and, and they're doing it and unfortunately um the the society now we put out people who unfortunately send negative messages like we yeah. promote stupidity we in, literally do in a sense like there's there's no other way to put it like people doing good deeds out there they don't they don't get the traction that these girls putting up booty pics no do. absolutely like it, and, and i get it right i get sex sales i understand For sure. that, right but at the same time it's like i, I get it that's a fundamental thing but where are you what are you going to get out of this that's what i'm saying like what's your message if you're not if you're not putting something positive out there in the world and everything that you're saying and everything you're doing doesn't have a something at its core that has a good message then stay quiet yeah. like just stay quiet because you'll do less harm staying quiet so this brings me to a point that like i'd love to address so as a scientist right now like we i was saying you struggle with self-worth and you struggle with like you know am i smart enough to do this am i smart enough to be here you know like do i really you know do i really understand things the way i think i do because you have imposter syndrome right that's that's a key mental health battle like as a woman in science you you definitely struggle with that a little bit i would say not in my current generation but definitely the right. supervisors there's a huge gender disparity there it's a lot of men a lot of old white men and then very few women and even fewer women and generally people of color there. So there's all this gender and racial disparity. So you start feeling like an imposter sometimes and for your own reasons, like, am I smart enough to be here? Am I smart enough to do this? And let me tell you, sometimes I go on social media and I see what people share about what they think they know about science. And I'm like, you know what? I really am smart enough to be here. I really do know. <laughs> He's like, you know what? You just validated me. I'm good yeah, with, like, I'm okay I really, with this. So social media is good for me in that sense because it reassures me that like, okay, like I definitely do bring something to the table that's unique that like not everybody has. But then like you said, social media influences, they can be so negative in ways that that we don't really understand until they materialize. Like right now we're battling with measles and polio epidemics because we have anti-vax moms named Cheryl who drive a soccer Cheryl. van Cheryl. who <laughs> think that like they've done their research on the internet on vaccines and share all these posts and they get 20,000 posts. But y'all couldn't tell me the difference between innate and adaptive immunity. Y'all couldn't name me three different kinds of immune cells in the immune system. What's the difference between a T cell and a B cell? What's VDJ recombination? like? how do these vaccines work like like what does that mean what's an attenuated vaccine like what's the difference between these things and and they don't know but they've done their research and they shared this on social media and now they're fucking with real life babies lives they're fucking with babies lives and they're out here doing that on social media and then you have these social media battles that go back and forth and people are tearing each other down and being really rude to each other and then you can clearly see that it generates this real life actual tension that breaks down real relationships and because of what exactly. happened on social media and, and it gets to a point where it's not even about funny enough the actual content that you're arguing about anymore. no it's just literally like an ego thing you're and it turns and vile because yeah. people are literally willing to say i actually read something on social media today that the a really funny post that one of my friends shared and it said like social media has y'all out here thinking that you could be talking to people without getting punched in the face mm. because obviously you can't punch someone through a computer screen yeah. but face to face nobody's gonna come at you with that kind of energy mm -hmm. but behind the keyboard people will people will say whatever the hell at you your warriors behind the keyboard that's, like, yeah. with those yeah. twitter fingers and they're yeah. coming with that keyboard warriors yep. and they're they're out there and they're typing all this crazy stuff and then you see them on the street and it's like hey you know what <laughs> how are you it really wasn't that serious we're good right like no we're not good Good. And funny enough, on, on that note, that unfortunately, that's how kids are growing up now. Kids are based on a number, their follower count, their like yeah. count. And other kids will literally ream them out because of that, right? And the thing is, they do it because it's online. There's no face-to-face -face contact. And honestly, right? that's terrifying to me. Even the thought of raising a child in the era of the internet oh, is... Yeah. 
so we didn't have that growing up. My, 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 right? I didn't get a phone till high school. How do, you, how do these kids have tablets in, in like right? grade school? I don't get it. What do you mean like, grade school? They'll be like two years old. The mom's like, here's your iPad. Yeah, what right? the hell? Like, and and like, like social media is so accessible. And like, okay, can we talk about this? Like I have an 11 year old sister. Okay. And I love this. And I love my sister to death. And she's on Snapchat. Anybody who's ever used Snapchat, Snapchat is like the the king app of keeping shit a secret. Yeah, you can send anything, anything. on Snapchat, and it's it's gonna go away. Yeah. Probably she's snapping pics of her cats and like her video games, and whatever. But I don't know what people are sending to her. Of course, and for sure I don't know what people are what she's sending to people. Same way, so that terrifies me. She's mm. out here on social media, and there's no way to even have surveillance because then people like a proponents will say. Oh yeah, but it's fine if they're on social media if you monitor it. But how do you monitor somebody's Snapchat though? Because especially you if it can't. goes away, like it's manufactured yeah. so that you can't monitor it. And then what do you do? Do you keep them off of it because kids are sneaky? I was definitely doing sneaky shit when I was a oh, kid. Oh, I, I think everyone was right. Like they're definitely sneaking around doing this. And then I start to think about it. Like, what kind of images are they going to grow up with? And like, what kind of impact is that going to have on their self worth, on their self esteem, on their mental health as they're growing up on the internet where like even as adults we're exposed to some of these things and, and me and you were talking about as adults we're, we're susceptible to these messages that we're given and like nobody is more susceptible than a child of course who doesn't have this critical network you know available and resources available to navigate those things and we have all that at our disposal arguably as adults and we still can't navigate a clear path so what's a kid supposed to do with all that information over they absorb and that's right. terrifying to me because if you don't control what's what's in your circle and what's on your plate and what's in your in your circle and your sphere all that stuff you're going to internalize that mm -hmm. and then what and then what do you do and then it's too late and that scares me that's so terrifying and i don't have the answers i'm not going to pretend like i have the answers here like so if you're listening and you're expecting for me to be like but here guys like, <laughs> but i have the solution for i have you. the solution like this is how you raise your kids in 2018 like really like i ain't got it and if any of you got it like let me know because when i do want to have a kid one day like maybe y'all can help me out for a price of 99.99 per month <laughs> yeah right because like i need to know because it's terrifying like i'm susceptible to it now like on social media i feel like you have so many messages there. Like I was talking earlier about like work messages, about feeling guilty about, you know, what people are posting about work. Like if they're working harder than me or like if they, you know, you start doubting your own accomplishments because it seems, it seems like everybody's accomplishing more than you because you've got like, you know, you've got your lawyer friend, you've got your doctor friend, you've got your like personal trainer friend who's like stronger than you. And you've got your like this friend, that friend, all these other friends, you've got your scientist friend. And it's like, you're, you as an individual, like you're not all those things. You're just one of those things. But as an individual, you're seeing 50 of those other people and you're thinking like, well, damn, like, I'm not all those things. Like, well, why ain't shit? And it's, it's the comparison, right? <laughs> yeah, it's, you're it's, always it's, comparing. It's comparing you. It's, but unfortunately, we're comparing who we are to just the highlights of someone else. Exactly. There's, there's, you're not comparing um, your your downsides to someone's downsides. You're only exactly. You're taking their best parts and you're like comparing it to only what you have. To as your a whole. Your whole. Right, and that's you're always at a disadvantage. Crazy. You're it's always insane. gonna hold you're, the you're, L. Oh yeah, you're always gonna hold the L. Yeah, no matter always. what it is, you're, you're always, always gonna, gonna take the L, the L for yeah. that. And it's true. Like even when I was talking earlier, like I was going through all this battle during mental health and like during my masters and really struggling. And I look back at that, I'm like, I didn't post about that. Mm -hmm. I never told any. Like I never. I told like my friends, like my boyfriend knew, my sister knew, like my really close friends, my cousin that she knew, but. I didn't really tell anybody like on social media that I was struggling through that. Like on social media, I didn't post a lot, but when I did post, it was like positive stuff. Cause I'm not trying to put negative energy out into the world. Like I'm not trying to be like, guys, like, you know, this sucks or whatever. But now, now that I'm on the other side, like I'm trying to do my part and really telling people and really spreading these messages, especially around the lab of like, you know what? Like it's six o'clock. Why are you still here? Mm -hmm. Let's go home. Like I'm the one that's rounding everybody up at six o'clock. Like, All right, y'all like, let's go. Like, are you done yet? No, I have 10 minutes. Well, okay. I'm going to wait with you. Yeah. Make sure that you're leaving in yeah, 10 minutes. Yeah. Like, I'm that person you now. you say 10 minutes now, but it's going to be an hour. It's yeah, because if I cut, yeah. and then you just say, oh, I'll just do one more thing. I'll yeah. just do this there's and no that. One, there's no one to hold you accountable. Exactly. So I'm the person now. Now I'm speaking out. Mm -hmm. Now I'm trying to say something. Now I'm, I'm always like, guys, y'all ain't got to work on the weekend. Well, before like, you, were the other, you were on the other side. Yeah. I was on the other side. I was never telling people to work on the weekend, but I was I was working on the weekend. And I was like, yeah, so what? Like, I work on the weekend. It's mm -hmm. what you got to do. Like, got to do it, so I'm going to do it. And again, we take pride in that grind, Exactly. Right? Yeah. And it wasn't okay. And I think, like I was saying earlier, when we started talking about other stuff, but 
after my master's, I started my PhD. My habits were a little bit better. Like I said, I was working until 10, not until one. But even for the first year, for the first six to eight months of my PhD, like largely I had the same habits. And then I started experiencing health problems and I started getting really weird symptoms. I started experiencing like visual symptoms, like blind spots in my vision, like random stuff. I started hearing my heart rate in my ear all the time. It's like I had a stethoscope in my ear. It was so strange. So what I was hearing was carotid artery blood flow in my ear, like pulse tile, like whoosh, whoosh, whoosh all the time with my heart rate. And I was ignoring it because like I was busy. I don't have time to go to the doctor. Mm-hmm. I was like, whatever. And then eventually like I went for like an eye exam because I needed glasses and like I was kind of seeing doctors here and there trying to figure out like what was going on with my ear and like a couple doctors told me, oh, it's an, you got something wrong with your ear and maybe you have an ear infection. Maybe you've got like, I don't know, go for a hearing test and like all these like crazy stuff. So like four or five doctors. Then I went for an eye exam unrelated and my doctor looked behind my eyes and was like, you need to go to the hospital right now. And I was like, girl, it's like Friday. Like I got shit. Like, ah, spearmints planned. Like, girl, I don't have time. I was like in the Eaton center in lens crafters. Okay. And this like, so people, this is one thing. Like I always thought that these like existential moments like happen to you and like, like they do in the movies and it's like really special. Like, no, it was like Friday morning and like Eaton center and lens crafters and girls like, you need to go to the hospital. And I was like, really? And I look back at it and it was, it was a very salient moment in my life. But like while I was in it, I was like, in the middle of the eating center at lens crafters and it wasn't anything yeah. and i was like but really like i'm running late for the lab i got experiments like cells are waiting for me like can, I really can, don't... Can, we, can we wrap this up can we, right like, her... and she's like no victoria like you need to go to the hospital i'm running you a form you need to go now i was like okay so i took the form and i'm downtown core there's all the hospitals are right there you've got sick kids well i'm a little too old for sick kids but you've got st mike's you've got toronto general you've got princess margaret you've got mount sinai like literally all within a one block radius i had like the top hospitals in the province, arguably, within a one block radius. And she told me, you need to go to hospital now. Printed me out like a little form to show the people like what they should look for. She told me I needed like brain scans, like something was wrong with my brain. You need to go right now, Vicky, go. Where'd I go? I went to the fucking lab. Oh man. I'm not even kidding. I, I literally was like, yeah, yeah, I'm gonna go. And then Dr. Charmaine was like, okay, Vicky, are you sure you're gonna go? Yeah, of course, I'm going. Where did I, I fucking, my two legs walk me to the damn lab and what I do, I set up my experiments. And then what I do, I told everybody at the lab, okay guys, I guess I have to go to the hospital, like whatever, my doctor told me to go. I still wasn't taking it seriously. So I, I mosey on over to St. Mike's Hospital and like nonchalantly arrive in the ER and like show them my paperwork or whatever. Wait like a bajillion hours because Canadian healthcare, like it's free, but it's, boy, uh, yeah. is it inaccessible. My God, is it? it is so inaccessible. So I waited a really long time and then finally, a doctor from the neurology team, Dr. Dr. Ryan, that's his first name. I don't remember his last name, but Dr. Ryan came up to me and he did a full neurological exam. And then he looked me in the eyes and he said, Vicky, I think you have this condition. And if you don't take care of it, you're going to go blind and you're going to be admitted to the hospital right now. And you're going to be here for a couple of days. And I was like, what? I'm by myself on a Friday. I just split cells for Monday. Like I have experiments to do. Actually, I was going to go back to the lab after this. You see the way my life is set up? Like I got shit to do at the lab. And he was like, no, Vicky, you're not leaving. Like we're admitting you right now. So he told me that I had a condition called intracranial hypertension, which means that the fluid that bathes your brain, which is called cerebrospinal fluid, was at such a dangerously high pressure. He was suspecting that it was causing my vision abnormalities. It was causing this pulsing tinnitus in my ear. That was that whooshing sound that I was hearing. And that if we didn't treat it, this neurological condition that I'd go blind because it was pressing on my optic nerves. And that was explaining some of my visual problems that I was having. And he was so concerned and he started to ask me, you know, did you notice anything was changing or did you have migraines? I said, yeah, I have migraines and migraines all the time. Like I was like the environment I described I was in like, boy, I was having migraines like every other minute I wasn't eating. And I figured it cause I wasn't eating and I wasn't sleeping and all those things. It's like, you know, have they been increasing in frequency? I said, I guess like, I don't know. I was ignoring it because it was so focused on my science grind. And he started asking me all these questions. And I was sitting there like, wow, like I really just ignore my whole body for the better part of, I don't know how long. And now I ended up here in this ER on a Friday night at this point by myself. And the doctor just told me I have a brain condition and I'm going to go blind if we don't fix it. And I was alone downtown by myself sitting in this ER in this room. And I was absolutely terrifying. And that's the moment that I was like, these degrees are not worth it. My physical health, my mental health, everything that I changed, everything that I traded, absolutely not worth it. 
and I'm not buying, I'm not doing this anymore. And that was the finally the moment where I was like, that's it. We're not doing this. Like I'm going to go blind. And like, we really ain't doing experiments if we're blind. Mm. We ain't reading no papers. We're not growing no cells. Unless you want some Braille, girl. Yeah, like, <laughs> we, y'all gonna have to print these papers out in Braille for me if I'm gonna try to do it. Because y'all gonna have to give me audio books yeah. and papers when they come out. <laughs> Someone's gonna have to read them to me because I don't know what I'm gonna do without my eyes. And I literally sat there by myself and I remember just looking up at the, at the ceiling and just thinking, like, I'm responsible for this. Every decision that I made led me here. Of course. Of course, medically, you know, some like some people will develop things, some people won't. And there's a bunch of predisposing factors and it has to do with your anatomy and like all this other stuff. But leading causes of it were a lot of decisions. I wasn't eating properly. I wasn't sleeping properly. My weight had a lot to do with it. I was overweight at the time. I'm still overweight now, but I was really overweight at the time. And I, and I was gaining weight while I wasn't eating properly and I wasn't sleeping properly. My mental health was declining. That's things that go hand in hand is that your, your weight starts to fluctuate when you start having mental health issues in both directions. Some people lose a lot of weight when they're having mental health issues. Some people gain a lot. I was definitely experiencing that. And I landed myself in the ER because of the decisions that I was making. Mm -hmm. And at that moment, I said, like, you know what? This culture's not working for me. I'm not buying it. And this what my degree costs, that I'm not buying it. Mm -hmm. So in the hospital for five days, I had a lumbar puncture. I had an MRI. It was painful. It was shitty. Like, I had all this vision testing. And then I had a week off, and I went back to the lab. And the first meeting I had with my supervisor was, listen, we're not doing it like this anymore. And if you can, if you're not happy with it and you can find somebody who can do it better than what I'm willing to give you, then I'll clean up my shit and I'll leave. Of course. I straight up was like, you know what? That's it. I'm just not going to do this anymore. But that's just how important the mental health became for you. Right. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like, why do we have to wait for such a big indicator? Why do we have to wait for such a big indicator? And I wish I didn't. That's what I'm trying to say is that I really wish that it didn't take, like, why don't we take, like, even me, like, why didn't I take all the signs my mental health was giving me serious enough the same way that I took it seriously when a neurologist looked at me and told me you have a brain condition when I damn well knew I was struggling with mental health and I didn't take it serious enough. I clearly still internalized these values that, you know, mental health and physical health aren't on par, but they are. And we share things on social media that your mental health is important. Things are important. But at my core, when somebody told me that I had a physical problem, even then I didn't take it seriously, but it was, that was what it would took. When the neurologist looked me in the eye and told me, Vicky, if you don't change something and we don't fix this together, you will go blind. But let's not play like mental health can't kill you and can't totally derail my PhD the same way blindness could. My brain and my mind is so important for my PhD, even more important than my vision. And it wasn't until like my head, my mind had been threatened for the last two and a half years. But the moment my vision became threatened, I was like, no way, we got to change everything. Right, of course. But my mental health was suffering the whole time and I knew it and everybody knew it, but it was like, you know, just buck up it'll and like, pass, right? it'll pass and you'll get through it. And like, I don't know, here's this, like, like I said, these little dainty poems with these like three lines of text in the corner and like, <laughs> you know, positivity, whatever. It ain't it, man. So like, that comes back to, again, kind of like, I guess a physical um, trait, because we can see physical things, right? We, we can, yeah. the physical, we can actually take and measure, I guess, in a sense, but when yeah. it comes to mental health, no one measures that. Right, so no. when we can't measure it. We just kind what's of like the scale? Exactly. What is the scale? There what's is the there scale? is none, right? And I, I get it. It's different for everyone, right? Everyone has their own issues, and everyone can deal with mental health in different ways compared to everyone else. But for, sure. for some reason, as soon as it gets to if it affects our, our physical well-being, then we finally take care of it. But even this discourse, right? Like we say it without thinking, like you just said, it, like everyone deals with mental health differently than yeah. everybody else. Does, do people like deal with cancer differently than yeah, everybody else? Exactly. We don't just like deal with mental health, like we. We, we have these conditions and we need to treat these conditions. We need to respect, we need to give them the respect that they deserve and the weight that they carry because they're just as afflicting as any other kind of diagnosis. But as a society on a whole, we, we don't take it as seriously as we should. And we don't look at two people the same way. Like one person says, oh, I'm struggling with X physical illness and somebody says I'm struggling with Y mental illness. If you had to pick who's struggling more, for most people, the decision's really easy. Even though we like to say that, like, no, they're equal, of course. You know, everybody's struggling. You No two struggles are equal and yada, yada, yada. Like, insert the Instagram quote about mental health being important on Bell Let's Talk Day or whatever, oh, right? Man. Like, let's share yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. But at the end of the day, we internalize a lot of these values. And even people struggling with mental health often vocalize that, that... Yeah. Why couldn't I just have a physical illness? Because then people would take me seriously and people would understand because people understand that. Yeah. And people don't understand mental health. 
But people, and even people who, in the older generations, I find too, like our generation, I think is more amenable to mental health struggles than, than older ones. Like our parents, like for sure our parents are aloof, most of them. Like most of the generation in, in my parents' generation, for sure, they're not attuned with these, they didn't have mental health diagnoses. If you scaled it out on mental health diagnoses between their generation and ours, for sure we have more diagnoses now. For sure we have more people who would even self-diagnose now. So I'm not even saying going to a doctor, just people who would say like, do you think you have anxiety, yes or no? But that doesn't mean that they weren't equally struggling. Right, they just didn't have the vocabulary and the vernacular to say that like what they were we're struggling with his mental health and they just like bucked up Sometimes and like, don't even, they don't even know right unfortunately exactly and they just bucked up and got through it yep. but they're alcoholics but they have other vices but they treated it in like not a positive way and they didn't treated admit it, it. treated, it. Exactly. treated exactly. it yeah. on their own right this like self-help treatment and like that that's not that's not what's going to do it and this, these are like ongoing conversations that people need to have people who are struggling with mental health people who aren't struggling with mental health and i would argue like good luck finding those people because they're unicorns and i don't know any of those so y'all let me know who they are because i'd like to know how to do that mm -hmm. but we need to have these conversations all the time and it needs to be a revolving door and it doesn't need to just happen on bell let's talk day oh man that that so on that point, that it irked, don't worry, I love Bella's Hawk Day for you know the message that it spreads. For sure. But I hate the fact that that's the only day people come out of the year to all of a sudden talk yeah. about mental health. It's like it's like and it's like Halloween coming up right now. Right. Well, you you dress like this is one day, but you know like the rest of the time. Right. And then you know? after that, then it ain't it ain't anything. Yeah. Or they just they'll share that stupid little. Bell Let's Talk Day donates five cents every time this picture is shared. They don't even say anything. They just like they just, share this they picture. They just share it, yeah. <laughs> like I said before, you need to make sure that every message that you're putting out there has substance and has a meaning. And if it doesn't, then honestly, like shut the fuck up and don't put it out there. And, and, and that's people are so afraid to um, attach meaning to something because it makes them vulnerable. It and does. Being vulnerable is absolutely terrifying. It I is. get it, right? It's 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 scary, it's uncomfortable, and people avoid uncomfortable. Of course. Right? It's easier to post a picture of your vacation with a caption that's literally an emoji with no words, like a flower. Right. And you just post this like beautiful vacation photo of like a beach emoji, a surfer emoji, than it is to post a insightful photo. Like even let's let's pick the bell, let's talk photo with a, an insightful caption describing like your struggle with mental health, what you think about it, like what you think, like what you're doing right now, like your thoughts about it right now, like how those are changing, evolving, whatever, to start a conversation because it puts you out there because then it opens up the conversation. Like we said earlier, we got these like Twitter fingers, these keyboard warriors, and then you're going to, you're going to open the door to that kind of criticism. And then that's what stops people from having these real conversations because they don't want to have that criticism. Of course. They don't want to have that, that kind of conversation. So what do we do? We end up posting like the the easy stuff the, the fair game stuff right it's the vacation photo with the flower emoji and nobody's it's the stuff that it's the stuff that people will i guess validate right or it's like the stuff that people easily ingest yeah they ingest, and, and the thing is it, it puts you in a positive light yeah that, 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 that's the thing right We're, we all want to be again in the positives we never want to but the more you put up that kind of stuff the less help you're going to get if yeah, anything for sure right? like it's not going to help your mental health you put having up a beach picture it's not gonna do anything no it doesn't do anything, doesn't do anything. For you. like you actually i would argue that putting up those photos like the people who do put up those photos looking for like those kind of energy like those kind of validation or whatever i've seen some people like really obsessively struggle over you know how many likes those pictures get and yes if yes, it doesn't get yes. a certain amount of likes then you know it wasn't a good picture and i need to remove delete. it yeah people even delete right it. Like, so i would argue that those photos actually could even be more hurtful for your mental health than yeah. helpful because of that obsession that follows so really like for i struggle with this on my social media too like why am I posting this? And honestly, the answer that I give myself most of the time is because my Instagram reel is a really nice reel for me to look back and at. And that, that's different. If you're using it to document what so you've been I doing. So I like that. And, yeah. I, and I also do like it to keep up with people, right? Like like you and I, like we haven't sat down in a room together since high, high school. school. It's crazy. That's insane. But And so we were talking about this a little bit too in terms of how social media can keep us together, but it also disconnects us so much. Yeah. Right. It keeps you together with the people who you aren't in the room with. Like you and I, we haven't sat in a room since 2011. It's 2018 and like here we are. So that <laughs> kept us, so social media kept us together when we, because we weren't in a room together. Right. But social media can keep you apart from the people you are in a room together with. Because now you're looking down at your phone. And now you're not being in the moment with the people that you're with. You're too busy like texting about the moment, about the people that you're with to other people that you're not with. And it's like you need to find, a, I would argue that you need to find a balance. 
Like, I don't think it's necessary to, like, never, ever look at your phone ever when whenever you're with anybody and that the only time you should be on your phone is when you're, like, by yourself. Like, mm-hmm. I definitely wouldn't say that. But I would say that, like, make sure that you're enjoying things for what they are in that moment right now and that do what you need to do to enjoy every moment to the fullest. And, like, sometimes that means you ought to, like, get away from your phone and your phone pulls you there eh? too like i'll go to bed at night and i'll be like okay i'm gonna go read my book and i'll tell my boyfriend like he'll stay up for a bit and i'll be like okay i'm gonna go read my book and i'll go in my bed and then he'll come to bed like an hour later and i'm still there on social media yeah and i haven't even opened his book i don't even like social media and i really like <laughs> books it's, it's a distraction so like, what the hell it's am a, i doing it's a distraction right we don't and again it takes i guess it's um kind of like a mind fog yeah it, it's you don't have to think about anything you're just scrolling through you don't you don't even take in half the content you look no, at no you it's don't just something to distract yourself but why do we need that or like sometimes i'll pick up my phone to like do i'll be like oh like i gotta text andy and i'll pick up my phone i'm like i'm on instagram what the fuck am i doing like, here? Wait, i thought i was texting how'd her. i get here yeah like what what happened <laughs> <laughs> i didn't come here for this it's like what, what? what? who did what? this <laughs> you know and it's disorienting yeah. so i actually like iphone recently released an update for screen time so you can actually log and limit the yes, time yes, you yes. spend on certain apps yep. which i absolutely love yep. so i've been using this every single day and also there there's a section of so you can say okay social media apps i just want to use them for three hours a day all social media apps it was like it's like messaging snapchat insta facebook anything that falls into social media it'll be like three hours a day that's it and it'll tell you like where you're at and then when you have only let's say five or ten more minutes remaining for the day it'll tell you Mm -hmm. and then it'll lock them off I mean, you can bypass it, but right, it requires your conscious bypass. Like you have to open it. It'll be like, you're at your limit. Do you want to bypass just for 15 minutes or yeah. for the rest of the night? Like, what do you want to do? Um, so I like that because it, it makes, it adds that, you know, you don't get the, how did I get here anymore? Because right. you, you chose to be there yeah. now. So now that kind of limits that a little bit. And there's another part of the, of the update that allows you to do something that's called downtime. So after, so for example, I've said it that after 10 PM, it locks basically all of my apps the same way that I was just describing, except essential ones, alarm messages in case somebody needs to get to me in my phone and that's it. So I can't open anything after after 10 PM. After that 10, what do you even need that for? I don't need my phone after that. Yeah. Like, do you really need Instagram after 10? No. No. And it interferes with your sleep. Yeah. Your phone interferes with, yeah, we got like nighttime mode or whatever. Blue light and all that. For sure. Blue light messes with your circadian rhythms. It prevents you from sleeping. Sure, we've got these like night shifts modes with like reduced blue light. But hello. Yeah, come on. It's still a screen. You're you're still looking. You're also still absorbing content. Like you're actively reading and engaging with something. So it's definitely going to keep you up. So you're like engaging and you're you're awake. You're cognitively processing these things. So you stay awake. With youth now, that's all they're doing. They're just absorbing things, but they're mindlessly absorbing things. Absolutely. Right. And, it's, it's, how it's, many people I've spoken to like I read all the time I think I've said that like seven times during this podcast already <laughs> like literally can Indigo sponsor me like please give me free books <laughs> like, anyways audio books just in case yeah just, like just audible can sponsor this podcast too <laughs> that'd be great so I love to read and how many times I mentioned to somebody that like you know oh I'm reading this and people are like you still read books you're such a nerd first of all I'm a scientist I'm definitely a nerd first of all like, it's not because I read it. I do science <laughs> all day. Like, that's what makes me a nerd. Like, second of all, like, hell yeah, I read books. Like, yeah, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> like, why aren't like, you? Like, why are you judging me for real? What yeah. the hell? Yeah. Like, so people will literally hit you with that. I'm like, well, what did you do? And they'll be like, oh, like, I'm on social media. Or the or this is the other one that I love. I don't have time to do that. I don't have time to read. But you have time for? Social media. Yeah, exactly. Or it's like, I don't have time to take care of my mental health. Like, by going to the gym or, like, doing those things I was saying. It's like, but yeah, you do, though. But you, you actually really do. do. Like, you think you don't, but you really do. Yeah. You have time for what you want to make time for. That's what you have time for. I agree. So you have time to sit there and mindlessly absorb your social media for, like, three hours a day. Because, honestly, those statistics will shock you. Of course. How much time you spend on social Like, I saw some of those, like, I was on social media for four hours today. It's like, God damn. In four hours? Like, you know what you could do in four hours? A lot of. I could read a whole, a whole <laughs> yeah. book in four hours. Yeah. What the hell? And I was out here on social media reading Cheryl's post about anti-vax. Cheryl's post. What was I doing? Like, I was doing nothing. Then like, and I was, and I was getting negative feelings. I actually get a lot of negative feelings from social media. Like, see, they're like neutral, like negative. And like, sometimes I get like really positive ones. Like there's certain accounts I'll follow and I'll be like really stoked to see what they're doing, what they're up to. But that's like rare. And then mostly like you just feel shitty on social media. Again, it's a comparison, right? 
could, do you think it qualifies as an addiction? I think so. I think so, for sure, for sure. And I, I think it's popping up a lot more, especially with like social media or not sort of even technology. What I was technology saying, addiction, addictions, just in yeah, general, for sure. Right? We see a lot of a lot of kids, a lot of younger, even adults now. I see, right? It's all it's all about honestly what you can, I guess, prove to the world or show yeah. that you're important because you do this or yeah. you do that, right? But in like at the end of the day, it really doesn't matter. Look, when you're on your deathbed, who's going to remember, oh, she posted this picture from, I don't know. And it got 300 likes, it got 300 likes though. It got 300 likes, though. I was just like, really? Are they going to say that at your funeral? Like, no. no. Like, it's... Nobody's going to remember that, right? No. So that's also what I mean is, like, you have to make sure that at the end of the day, too, like, same way, if, if I passed away while I was in my master's, people were going to remember about me was what? Vic was always in the lab? Why shit? Yeah, like because the lab ain't shit. Yeah, you want to remember the memories, right? Like the experiences you bring to people, yeah. not not just the vacation pictures you put up. Exactly, right? and if you're not is. seeing your friends and you're not actually having those real connections with people yes. and you're actually not truly enjoying the life that, like, honestly, like you're so lucky to have, like, wherever position that you're in, like you definitely have stuff to be thankful for all the time. And if you're not enjoying those things the way that you should be. They're gonna like you're gonna miss it when you don't have the opportunity. And because like I said, your life is happening right exactly. now. Exactly. And those are the things that we do regret, honestly, by the time we get there, right? Yeah, like like yeah. I used to tell myself, like, oh, but this will be worth it in the end, right? Like, I'll get my master's, then I'll go do my PhD, and like, you know, I'll worry about my health then, mm -hmm. right? I'll worry about it then. I don't have time to go to the gym now. I'll I'll worry about it then. Like, what do you mean then? What do you mean? over then if i don't have time now i'm definitely not gonna have time then like what do i think how like, do you even know you're gonna make it to then for, like, that's the thing. okay so first of all then, right? Great, <laughs> right great point second of all if i don't have time now what's the difference between now and then like are the days gonna get longer are we gonna have 27 hour days when i finish my phd mm -hmm. hell no i'm still gonna be just as busy probably yep. more busy so like i need to make the time now so when when dr ryan told me like vicky like you need to do this and like it's really important that you you know take your medications there's medications for my conditions that i have to take and you know weight loss is key because at the time i was weighing a lot more than i should be and he was like you know that's really key and i was like you know what like i took that in my heart and i've lost 80 pounds since then and i've done a lot to change my life and i've changed a lot of things and my mindset has changed and I spend so much more time at gyms that like, honestly, I didn't even know existed like yeah, before this and like absorbing content that I wasn't absorbing before workout content, fitness content, and like, all of a sudden you're in this stuff. culture without realizing exactly. Right? Yeah. And then all of a sudden I was like, you know what? Well, that culture wasn't working for me, so I'm not going to buy it, but I'm going to buy like this, this one. one. This one I'm okay so with. I started yeah. buying this one and like, I'm so much more appreciative now. I think of like my physical health and my mental health because they trend together. Of course. As my physical health started to improve, like I'm still struggling with my condition, my, my the pressure in my brain is still high, it's getting better, but as my physical health starts to improve and my habits started to get better, my mental health started to improve and everything convalesces together and goes together. And then now sitting here looking back, I'm just like, I, why did I wait so long? Because I, I feel I feel so much better now. Why did I wait? I always kept saying later, later, later. No, no, like later is right now. Later is right here, right now. And then even it's ironic so i haven't mentioned at all like what i research and i actually research in metabolic disorders and like diabetes and i was overweight researching diabetes and it was like slapping me in the face like i was always talking about you know obesity has these effects and all the intricate cellular processes that lead to insulin resistance and diabetes and that's what i research and how we can reverse it and how we can help people and i was thinking like I, i'm on the track to get there if i don't start taking care of myself because i'm not eating right and i'm not exercising enough and i and i know and i have no excuse because i have all the knowledge i have all the power and i have all the knowledge and i understand everything and i'm actually studying this i'm actually trying like am i trying to do research now so i can help me later like no let's learn now just, let's not how about you, i just help me now like right right exactly <laughs> so then you know i started to lose away and i started to eat better using all the tools that i already had and then learning everything from everybody that was around me just being like a sponge absorbing everything like from people like you like from anybody who was willing to tell me anything that might help me and i just kind of started absorbing different kinds of content started putting together with what i knew what i didn't know i totally changed my life and then my mental health started to get a lot better but i'm also gonna say that then i also started struggling with that too because I will comment like on this age of like social media and this emphasis on how you look, people actually started treating me differently when I started losing weight. And that was weird to me because I lived in this bubble before where like back in high school, like from where we met and where you know me, like 
I never cared. Like I actually had very positive body confidence. I never struggled with any of that. I was like friends with a lot of people. Like I, I, nobody would ever tell you, I don't think anyway, that they met me and they were like, oh, Vicky probably was, you know, sad or something. Like mm-hmm. I, was always, no, I don't think anyone would say that. <laughs> right? Like, so I never struggled and I was, and I was never like quiet. I was always confident and outgoing. I'm still like that. I'm the same person. And I would tell, and I would have told you before I started losing the weight that like, no, people like me for me and like, they don't care what weight I'm at, whatever, whatever. But then I started to lose the weight and reality slapped me in the face that people definitely treat me different when I'm smaller, period. And that's another layer of another outward, I guess, like disadvantage that I, that I'm wearing all the time that gives, that gives people that they think the right, that they can, they can talk to me, they can treat me different because I'm at a different weight and people exercise their opinions. It's, and it's little things. It's the way they, the way they speak to you, the words that they use, how warm they are to you, how nice they are to you. And I'm not talking about strangers. I'm talking about people that I actually real life know, like people who I interact with at work, coworkers, not really close coworker friends, but people who I was like acquaintances with, they treat you different when you start losing weight. Now they want to talk to me. All of a sudden, right? Right? Now they want to compliment me. Mm-hmm. I, I catch comments like, wow, Vicky, that outfit looks great. Um, I've been wearing this same outfit since before I started losing weight. Actually, I've actually owned this for like three years, but I've been working here for like two. So actually, like, okay, thank you. though. Like, okay, thank, thanks. Thank but low key, like I see what you're doing and I know exactly what's going on course. and like, don't play me. So I can, I can sense that. And then I started struggling, like almost like a, like in retrospect, I started struggling with body confidence. Just like, wow, really? Like back then when I was like, you know, heavier, did people really treat me different because I, I was heavier? And, and like, you start to look back and introspect and all yeah, that. Yeah, and like, did I lose opportunities because I was heavier? When I gave a talk about my research on diabetes, were there people in the audience being like, really, this girl's going to tell us about diabetes? Like, as I was overweight? Mm-hmm. Like, and then I started to think, and I never thought about that before. And like, I start to think about that now. And, I, and you know what? Like, the sad, harsh truth is like, it's probably true. There probably is pe- people that were there that were definitely thinking all of those things at that time. And like, luckily I was blissfully ignorant. I didn't care. I got up there and I gave my talk <laughs> and I was happy as shit. And I was like, whatever, I killed it. Science is great. Like whatever, I'm a scientist, I'm doing the damn thing. Like, and then I left. Yeah. But now that I look back and I realize like, as I'm on this like journey of like mental health and like weight loss and physical health, that like people definitely treat you different depending on what you look like. And I, and I never felt that before. I guess I never felt that until I started to look different. Cause I'm like a great study, right? I'm an N of one, but like, I'm just, you know, in science, we don't like ends of ones. That means you only did it one time. So how reliable is it? Yeah. But you know, before I lost weight, people treated me like X. And then after I lost weight, I would argue I'm the exact same person. I mean, you haven't seen me yeah. in all this time. Like, what do you think? You think I'm and the same we, or I'm we, different? We picked up exactly where we left off. Right? So yeah. I'm the same. I haven't changed. And then in the last like seven months, I lost a bunch of weight and now people are treating me different. So obviously the only factor that changed was my weight and that starts to interfere with your mental health too. And then you start to feel like, you know, maybe it locked off opportunities for me professionally. And I didn't even know, like maybe I would have had more professional opportunities, like had I not been overweight or something like that. And then, you know, it's a dangerous path to go on. And and I try not to go on it too deeply. I try to just kind of keep a note of the people who are treating me different and be like, okay, I see what you're doing. I'm going to take note of that. And you can stay over there because I'm going to be over here. And I'm really not trying to associate with you because on the low, I know how you are. But... I try to just keep it at that level, but it does play with you. It plays with your, I, your I, feelings. I think, I, I think with anything, it's going to play with um, your feelings, right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, and I, I, I think uh, rounding it out, funny enough, it's been an hour. Oh, look at that. We've gone through the hour. Oh, um, yeah, look at no, that. No, no, uh, rounding it out, no, I, 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 I can completely agree with that. A lot of people will kind of see the differences in how you look, but then immediately talking about the physical again. For sure. Right? I'm, but uh, it's, all, it's all about the physicality. For some it people. all circles back. And like, if I had to say anything, though, I would say that... So if, if you had, if you had right now, um, one message or advice to, to end this off, um, for anybody looking, cause I know you're big on education. You're big. Yeah. Big on huge. What, what advice would you give people going through education in terms of like mental health wise? Like what, what should they do? What should they look for? What are some keys they should look for? And when will they know that is worth it? Okay. So I have two things. Okay. So things that you should look for is know yourself and know when you stop being yourself. 
Like nobody knows you better than you do. And when you start feeling yourself slipping away and becoming another person, that's your first sign that something's amiss. And pay attention and just listen to yourself. And it sounds so ridiculous, but I didn't listen for so long. And I still didn't even listen to my body when I could hear my blood flow in my ear and I couldn't even see. And I was still ignoring myself fucking listen like your body is incredible your mind is incredible so fucking listen to what it's telling you because it's fucking telling you so listen and you'll regret it if you don't and honestly you're doing yourself a disservice if you don't so that's the first thing is just know yourself and be aware when something's amiss and then have an action plan know where your resources are and if you don't find out find out what's accessible to you schools have a lot of options in the educational realm we have like therapists and counselors that are offered to us and and they're not used enough so find out where those are try to use them and honestly like i'm not going to pretend like they have all the answers either nobody's mental health treatment there's no one size fits all try to find what works for you and whatever works for you whatever feels good for your soul do that and do it at least every single day every single day no matter what even when you feel horrible and at least three times a week, mm-hmm. even if you can't do it every day. And then the second half that I would say is like, how do you know if you're in the right place or whatever? The last piece of advice I have that is trust the process. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is trust that you're exactly where you're supposed to be doing exactly what you're supposed to be doing exactly when you're supposed to be doing it and trust the process because you know what? It might earn you your degree one day and it might get you that job one day. So just trust the process and just keep going. Trust it. That's Beautiful. it. All right, guys. Um, that was that was a, that was a quick hour, eh? Yeah, it was. was. Very, well, thanks very... for listening. I guess. No, well, yeah, of course. <laughs> Appreciate y'all. <laughs> All right, guys. Um, so that was Vicky. Um, again, Vicky is an incredible friend of mine. Um, a lot of education on this side. She's gonna be doing very, very many great things. I hope so. Uh, you we'll will, see. You definitely will be. Let's try to get this PhD. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so uh, thanks for tuning in, guys. Um, that was the hour. Um, and I'll see you guys next time. Thanks for coming in, Vicky. No problem. <laughs>